Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. NPR is reporting that the World Health Organization has called on nations around the globe to enact taxes on sugary beverages. Also, according to that report, Bloomberg Philanthropies says raising taxes on sugary beverages can be part of the strategy to, quote, reduce consumer demand for unhealthy foods and beverages, improve the food environment, and make healthier choices easier for everyone, end quote. A growing number of nations and U.S. cities are enacting soda taxes. And we're going to ask today, what should the government's role be in encouraging good health behaviors, discouraging bad ones? Is a soda tax a good idea? We're going to talk about this later in the program with Alexis Connison, who's a clinical psychologist in practice in New York City, researcher at the New York Obesity and Nutrition Research Center at St. Luke's Roosevelt Hospital. We'll bring the conversation at that point at the end of the hour to... Uh, uh, I guess voluntary behavior modification, how we can get off sugars and live a healthier life. Uh, we'll be talking uh, in the first part of the program with uh, Dr. Ed Red, who is also a state legislator, Republican re- representing uh, Logan Area, North Logan. And uh, we welcome uh, Dr. Red back to the uh, studios. Thanks. Th- thank you. We welcome in by telephone Kristen Daly from Healthy Boulder Kids. Boulder recently enacted a soda tax. Uh, Kristen Daly, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. We appreciate you uh, being with us. So let me start with you, uh, Kristen Daly. Uh, so success, Healthy Boulder Kids have been pushing for a, a tax, I think a two-cent-per-ounce uh, tax that was enacted by the voters. Yes, um, we worked hard this summer. Um, it was a citizen's initiative to get this on the ballot, um, and so we got over 9,000 signatures for that um, and then campaigned this fall Um and the the nice thing about our tax is that it is um, the proceeds from it will be devoted to health equity and um, improving health for the people in Boulder. What's your uh, what's the impetus for you uh, getting involved in here? I guess the focus on kids. Um, you you obviously got involved at some point, had success here. What's uh, what's the reason behind your involvement? Yes, well, I'm a public health advocate. I've been a, a student of public health for the past few years, um, and I am a parent um, in Boulder. Um, and uh, learning more about uh, the effects of sugary drinks um, on obesity and overall health of the population and, um, you know, began to focus on policy issues that could direct this um, at a grander level because it's not an even playing field. So behavioral change is very difficult to do, um, you know, when the soda industry is spending $900 million annually to advertise, you know, often to kids and low-income populations. So policy seemed like, you know, sort of a place that I wanted to focus my efforts. Let me turn to Dr. Red. So uh, we'll get into a, de- a debate here about what the government's role should be. I imagine, Dr. Red, we can stipulate that uh, sugar at uh, high levels is not good for anyone, right, including kids. Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at our ancestral environment, um, you know, going back, you know, hundreds of years, there wasn't, uh, you know, easily available sources of, you know, you know, disaccharides or monosaccharides, which are simple sugars in people's diets. Most of the, most of these you know, simple sugars would come from, you know, fruits, uh, generally speaking, grape juice, that sort of thing. Um, and really, most of our diet was complex carbohydrates and fat and proteins, and not so much simple sugars. So our diet has changed uh, because of processed foods, because of lots of issues, in addition to you know sugary sodas. But uh, it's really I think it's really complicated. Obesity is much more complicated in my mind than just, you know, simple sugars and soda drinks. Mm, okay. Uh, there was, uh, doing research for this uh, program, I'd, I was uh, looking at a couple of uh, studies, reports on studies anyway, and uh, they were saying that cultures where they didn't have sugar drinks or soda, that uh, there's very little overweight or, or, sure. or diabetes. Yeah, that's very interesting, you know, uh, you know perspective. And there's and that's one factor in, in cultures that don't have access to this sort of you know in, you know input. They have lots of other things they don't have access to. They don't have access lots of times to electricity, to refrigeration, to microwaves, to fast food restaurants. Uh, they oftentimes work very hard uh, physically to earn a living or to provide food for themselves. Lots of them are in agrarian societies where they basically grow what they eat and eat what they grow. 
Um, and so, yeah, our, our society has changed over the last 200 years. We're, we're, no, we're no longer primarily an agrarian society in the United States and in, you know, you know, first world countries in general. And we've moved from being out in the field, growing our own food, uh, to living in apartment complexes and watching television and playing video games. And so it's way different than it was 200 years ago. So you're saying more complex or other it's factors? It's complex. It's, yeah. not, it's not just okay. what we eat. It's, it's very okay. much you know activity levels and what we're not doing that we used to do, that we used to have to do to, to survive. One more question on this before I uh, turn uh, back uh, to uh, Kristen Daly. So, Dr. Red, um, leaving aside for the moment government's role, uh, taxes of any kind, uh, probably would be good if we consumed fewer no, I, sugary sodas. I think it's really important for the general public to understand um, what our bodies are designed to do. And our, our bodies really are not, I mean, they're not really designed to have high intake of simple carbohydrates that are absorbed really rapidly. Our pancreas, insulin secretion rates, all that kind of stuff. We're, we're really designed to eat a very different diet than what we have access to right now. And, and, and it varies. It's very complicated. If you look at uh, incidence of obesity and diabetes in different uh, cultures and different ethnic groups and, and populations, if you look at the Pima Indians in you know, in, you know, southern, United, you know, southern United States and other uh, Native Americans, you'll find out that uh, they have a really a much higher incidence of, of uh, diabetes than maybe people from different, you know, backgrounds, you know. And so there's clearly genetics involved in obesity and diabetes. Uh, certainly the environment plays a huge role as well. Uh, people who who otherwise may not develop diabetes until they're 60 or 70 can develop when they're 15 if they're put in a sedentary lifestyle uh, and, and eating too much food and becoming overweight. And I think those are really big issues. It's, it's a very complicated, you know, in my mind, extremely complicated issue. Uh, and I think it's important for people in general to understand how complex it is. Uh, that's, and that's, that's, my t- that's my take on it. Okay. Let me turn uh, back to Kristen Daly from Healthy Boulder Kids. Uh, so uh, tell me a little bit more about this, uh, this tax, two, two cents per ounce on, on what? Does this include artificial sweeteners? Uh, yes. So it's, uh, no, it doesn't include um, uh, 100% fruit juice, it doesn't include dairy products, and it doesn't include artificial sweeteners. Um, I would like to uh, speak a little bit to what Dr. Red was saying, though. Um, and I think uh, the science has reached the point where uh, sugary drink taxes uh, do make sense from a scientific point of view. Um, and much like cigarette taxes, you know, there there became a causal link between smoking cigarettes and lung cancer. And that's when you could start to direct, you know, policy at this. And, you know, liquid sugar is uh, is different in its uh, digestion. Um, and there's also now been shown a causal link between, you know, liquid sugar, sugar-sweetened beverages, and um, obesity and diabetes. So it's not 100% of the cause of obesity, but it has directly been shown to be, I think it's, um, you know, I think they've shown that 50% of uh, cardiometabolic deaths relate to diet, and I think it was something like 7.8% of that um, can be linked to sugary drinks. So I think the science has reached the point where attacks on, um, on drinks that are calorically high and nutrition poor um, make sense. Let me uh, direct uh, uh, the, the direct question to, to each of you. So, uh, obviously, uh, Chris and Daly, you are in favor of government getting involved in uh, in help nudging us, right? That's that's a that's a goal, right here, to, to help uh, with the tax to uh, modify our behavior. Yes, um, I mean, I think it's a win-win. There's health benefits, and then the revenue is also directed to the community. So, I see it as you know, a Noah. A very effective and um, and fair way to do it, Doctor Red. What do you think of the government's role here, uh, nudging us in in the "quote unquote" right direction? You know, I think there's 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 this is a really complicated issue. I don't think it's as simple as just taxing you know sugary beverages. I think if you look at sugary beverages and how people consume them, you have to understand there's more to it than just the sugar. Meaning there's the caffeine part of it too, 
and uh, you can ask yourself, well, why do people, why is there, why is there this big outpouring of, uh, you know, monster drinks and energy drinks that have high levels of caffeine and stimulants in them that also have sugar in them? Why aren't people drinking more Hawaiian punch? Why is Hawaiian punch not the big hit these days? You know, and so there's there's more to it than just the than just the uh, sugar as far as people overusing and overdrinking carbonated sugary beverages. In my opinion, um, it's not just the sugar, and and I think again the. the uh, we could tax, if we're going to tax things that cause obesity, we should, you know, why are we stopping at sugary drinks? Why don't we, you know, uh, you know, there's other, there's other foods that are, are clearly not healthy foods that cause, you know, excessive caloric consumption and obesity, like fast foods, pre-prepared junk foods, some restaurant foods. Uh, and then there's, you know, why not tax uh, video games and uh, why not tax television sets and why not tax... Uh, refrigerators and microwaves, because obviously third world countries that don't have refrigerated microwaves, they don't have problems with obesity. So um, my thoughts are is the government really needs to be careful about what they decide they're going to tax um, and, 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 and what their goal is. If their goal is to reduce uh, government expenditures, that's one thing. If their goal is to change behaviors, I think education is, is more important and focusing on rather than just, you know, sticking it to people who are drinking soft drinks. I think education is much more effective. And in the process, you know, you, you, sometimes when you tax people, you lose, you, you lose their support, quite honestly. They, they say, forget it. I, I can't stand the government. I hate the government. All they didn't want is taxes. So you lose some support. And you lose some of your credibility sometimes if your message is, the way we're going to fix this is by taxing people rather than helping them understand what the problem is and helping them develop their own solutions because everybody's a little different and not everybody's obese because they drink sugary sodas and not everybody that drinks sugary sodas is obese and not everybody that drinks sugary sodas gets diabetes and says so it to me it's like in my mind yeah i can see why some people would want to do this but from my perspective you need to educate people you need to teach them you know what uh you know what what the underlying problems are and there's more than one problem it's more than just sugary sodas it's, that's a very small, in my opinion, very small piece of the big pie. It certainly is a piece of the pie, but it's not the only piece. And and I think uh, from a credibility standpoint and from getting public support and getting public input, especially in the population we're dealing with, with sometimes they're lower-income socioeconomic people. They're, there's those people sometimes that tend to drink more of these beverages. You know, to, to try and help them, I think education is extremely important. And, and that's what I would try and focus on rather than just taxing you know, things certainly taxes change behaviors. If you if you raise the taxes high enough, you can change behaviors. That point two cents per ounce. That's I think that's what the what what, what they mentioned. Uh, that's that's much more than Utah charges uh, for a drink of beer or a drink of hard liquor, and it's like quite a bit more. It's like twice or three times as much as we charge for alcohol taxes, in, at least in the state of Utah. I don't know what it's like in Colorado, but I think it's important to understand it. That uh, you can raise taxes, and and that that can be one strategy. But I think the bigger the bigger strategy in my mind is to is to educate people and help understand what the problems are, what the causes of of the problem is, and and, l- and let them make their own decisions. Uh, that's that's kind of my take on it. All right, let's get a response from uh, Kristen Daly, who's from Healthy Boulder Kids. Uh, Boulder enacted a, a soda tax. So, uh, a couple of arguments there, uh, several arguments uh, to, to respond to Kristen Daly. Uh, Doctor Red saying it's a complex problem. Why are, why are we attacking? Uh, you know, other areas of this problem, why just soda? And uh, what about education? He's saying that's uh, perhaps more effective. Well, as I said, so there is a causal link between um, sugar-sweetened beverages and um, obesity and diabetes, and they are caloric high and nutrient poor. Um, so we are taxing things that have no nutritional value. Um, so that's why it's it's easy to focus this tax on that, much like it was on cigarettes. Um, whereas anything else is a little bit more complex. And as the science um, comes to to show these causal links, you know, I would love it to spread to other things um, that are equally, um, you know, nutrition poor and calorie high. Um, but sugary drinks, the science is there right now. Um, it's also one of the fastest public policy methods um, to finding measurable uh, positive effects. There's been, um, you know, decreases in consumption in Mexico, who's had this tax since 2014. Um, Berkeley is showing similar effects. Um, and it's not an even playing field. So education would be great, but we don't have $900 million to spend annually um, like the soda industry does. 
So these kids are being bombarded with ads, and they focus the ads on children of color um, and low-income populations, so or Latino um, and, and children of color. So it's not an even playing field. We can't, uh, the public health, you know, can't compete on that level uh, with the soda industry. What do you think about that, uh, Doctor Red? This, uh, the, you know, the soda industry. Big advertising budget, education be great, but uh, where do we get the money for education? That, that's a, I mean, it's a point well taken. I mean, it's difficult to know exactly, you know, what 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 role the government should play in this situation. But I still think that, uh, you know, I still believe that uh, that you know, in, unless you're going to charge an, a really high tax, I mean, a really high tax where they're paying twice what they normally would pay for a soda, especially if it's caffeinated and you know makes them feel better. Um, you're gonna you're gonna still you're you're gonna still uh, have problems in getting a, a substantial drop in the consumption of people who are at highest risk. I think. I'd, and again, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, you can look at the taxes we do on alcohol and say, well, does that reduce consumption? No, it it provides us with a budget to do education and treatment. Does it cover the the total cost of what alcohol costs society? Absolutely not. In Utah, we collect about a hundred thousand dollars a year in, in, in revenue in, in the state of Utah for for you know for excise taxes on alcohol, but the cost in Utah of you know economic costs and healthcare costs and uh, lost life costs and all that sort of thing adds up to about one point five billion. So we're about you know we're way less than ten percent of what we're collecting as far as you know what the actual costs are. Tobacco is kind of the same picture. Um, you know, tobacco costs the state of Utah, I think, about $600 million last time I remember hearing those statistics. And, and we, we don't collect near that much as far as, you know, cigarette taxes. But, again, the question is, is, is the, the, the problem of obesity and type 2 diabetes mellitus, in my opinion, is much more complicated. It's, I, I understand there's science that shows that drinking sugary drinks makes things worse. I've seen it in my practice. If I can get people off their sugary drinks, their hemoglobin A1Cs come down. Sometimes their weight drops a few pounds. But if they don't have other substantial changes in their lifestyle, uh, including carbohydrate, total carbohydrate intake for, for people with diabetes and obesity and exercise and physical activity, if I can't get them to do all three of or four of those things, I don't really make a substantial change in their lives. And so, I mean, that's, that's how I see this. And so, uh, and again, as a legislator, I mean, maybe in Boulder, Colorado, this is, this is a fashionable thing to do, or this is something that we think we can tax. Uh, in Utah, uh, this is, in my opinion, this would be a no. I don't think I don't know. I, I mean, I, I haven't done a public opinion poll on this one, but but I, again, I'm not sure this is a, this is the right place to start if you're trying to get people to change their behaviors. And sure, you can you can force people if you charge enough tax, you can force people to stop what they're doing. I have some patients who have quit smoking because cigarettes are too expensive. If that's your goal, then you need to jack up the cost more than two cents an ounce, in my opinion, mm. if that's really your goal. You can reduce some consumption, but actually substantially get people who are high risk, who are low income folks to stop drinking it, you're going to have to really crank on the price. Now, two cents an ounce, in my opinion, is significant. That's not insignificant. That's for 12 ounces, 24 cents. Mm. For, you know, so instead of paying, you know, 75 cents a can, they're going to be paying a dollar a can. And so, yeah, that's going to reduce consumption. Yeah. And, and you can use that money to do education projects or whatever you want to do. But I still think that uh, what people need to understand other issues to obesity and type 2 diabetes and diabetes in general and the health effects of obesity uh, and, and, and help them make their own wise choices. I, mm. I still think education is really important. And, and again, this is my own experience trying to teach my own patients how to change their lifestyle so that they can control their diabetes once they have it and sometimes actually get off their medications and have their you know, hemoglobin A1C go back to you know, normal, which is 5.5%. You know, uh, without any medications, and that's happened in patients who are who are educated, willing to understand the issue, and willing to do something about it in their lives. So that's kind of that's my take on it. Maybe 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 this tax will be something that's that's uh, that's exciting and great in other areas across the country. But I I'm pretty sure that Utah is not ready for this. Yeah, it's, uh, we uh, we haven't uh, heard of any uh, moves recently, and at least successful moves in in Utah. Uh, I wanted to follow up, uh, Doctor Red. So, as a doctor, the, the the patients you're describing, who I guess finally quit tobacco because it got too expensive. <laughs> the, the bottom line is that's good, isn't it? They got off they got off tobacco. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I mean that's that's a good thing. You say, well, you know, what's 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 the break point? I still have patients who 
who are extremely poor economically who still smoke two packs a day because they have other issues in their lives. I mean, they have childhood traumas, they have uh, emotional distress, they have a lot of anxiety and other problems that they're self-medicating. Some people self-medicate with food. Some people self-medicate with alcohol. Some people self-medicate with street drugs. Some people self-medicate with cannabis. People use all sorts of things to try and deal with their anxiety problems and, and and their mental illness issues. And there's a lot of people in our communities who have suffered enormous childhood traumas uh, and they're basically that affects them for the rest of their lives oftentimes Uh, some of those people medicate with carbohydrates and sugars and caffeine and all sorts of things and so to tell a person who is in that situation where they're just doing their best to barely survive oh by the way we're going to jump the price of your your diet coke or your diet coke or whatever it is you're jumping jumping the price on um, up, up to you know almost twice what it used to be. Um, I don't know. They're, they're basically are dependent on, they're medicating, they're medicating themselves. Not everybody, some people are medicating issues in their lives. And sometimes you can change their behaviors with higher prices, but sometimes all you do is make them so they're not purchasing healthy food at the store because they're spending it all on higher price sodas. Mm. That's the other, that's the, that's the downside of this. It's not everybody who we're trying to help is going to get the help they need because they're going to be spending more money on this and less money on stuff that they really need. Chris Daly uh, from Healthy Boulder Kids, uh, I want to ask you about that, this point that Dr. Red just uh, brought up. Uh, so he's making a personal liberty. Uh, you know, we ought to have the, the right to make our own decisions, making that argument. Also, this is kind of a blunt instrument uh, here to, to help us to... To, to be to modify our behaviors. What do you think about those two arguments? First of all, the, the you know we ought to have the right to uh, make even unhealthy choices for ourselves. Um, I, again, I sort of feel like you know it's not it's not an even playing field. So it's not it's not like this is happening in a vacuum and people you know have an apple in front of them and a, a soda in front of them. I mean, I walked into a gas station the other day with my four-year-old and at his eye level was a soda, you know, a giant soda ad, a picture of a, you know, red Slurpee and a, uh, a Gatorade, you know, so it's, 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 they're already, you know, being affected. So this is evening it out a little bit. Um, I also, I think uh, it does reduce consumption. Um, the taxes have been shown to do that. And it reduces it more among low-income people. So it actually increases, um, you know, money that they have to spend, you know, on healthy things. Um, and I would disagree that, that Utah is not ready for this. I mean, this has passed in Oakland. Uh, you know, Philadelphia has a sugary drink tax. Cook County, Illinois, um, and Mexico was the first one to do it in 2014. Um, and I think what people do understand is that society is already paying um, for these negative health outcomes. Um, And it's a huge burden on society. Um, And so I think that is something that people, you know, do understand. And I agree that it is is a complicated issue. um, And that's why, you know, the the great thing about our tax is that it's dedicated to health equity. um, And so it, it it's going to go to ensuring access to safe, palatable water, um, increasing fruit and vegetable consumption, um, giving access to activities, um, and it, you know it's going to help uh, decrease the health inequality in Boulder. So I, I agree, it needs to be you know um, all these things need to be addressed, um, and that's why the tax is sort of a win-win in that way. Let's take a break. When we come back, more with Dr. Ed Red from uh, North Logan. Um, he's also a state legislator, and uh, we'll be talking as well with uh, Kristen Daly from Healthy Boulder Kids. You heard from her right there. And uh, Boulder just uh, passed uh, recently a, a soda tax. Uh, these taxes are being passed, uh, increasing uh, frequency. 
Uh, Kristen Daly mentioned Philadelphia and Berkeley and, uh, of course, Boulder. Um, the U.K. has a soda tax about a year old. Uh, Mexico, 2014, was when they passed theirs. We're debating this issue. What should government's role be in encouraging good health behaviors? And we encourage your call to 800-826-1495. Your take on this issue, 800-826-1495. Or our email is upraxcess at gmail.com. You can uh, tweet at us, uh, at upraxcess. And our Facebook page is Access Utah. More following this break. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. According to NPR, the World Health Organization has called on nations around the globe to enact taxes on sugary beverages. Also, according to that report, Bloomberg Philanthropies says raising taxes on sugary beverages can be part of the strategy to, quote, reduce consumer demand for unhealthy foods and beverages, improve uh, food environment, and make healthier choices easier for everyone, end quote. A growing number of nations and U.S. cities are enacting uh, soda taxes, and we're asking what should the government's role be in encouraging good health behaviors, discouraging bad ones. Is a soda tax a good idea? You can join this conversation at 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. You can join us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at upraxcess and Facebook, Access Utah. And uh, coming up to about 10 minutes, we're going to go to a recorded conversation with Alexis Connison, a clinical psychologist in practice in New York City. And we'll talk about individual uh, behaviors, how we can uh, eat and drink more uh, in a healthier manner. Right now, we're talking with Kristen Daly from Healthy Boulder Kids. Boulder just recently enacted a soda tax. And we have with us in studio Dr. Ed Red, uh, who is a physician in practice. And also, he's a state legislator Republican from uh, North Logan. Uh, so I want to turn uh, next to uh, Kristen Daly to begin this uh, segment. About 10 minutes left in this conversation. Uh, Kristen Daly, uh, uh, what I'm hearing from Philadelphia, the beverage industry is suing over that uh, enacted tax. One of the arguments they're making is an economic one, that uh, this is uh, this is reduced jobs. That uh, you know the grocery uh, beverage industry operates on small margins, and uh, that uh, that industry is losing jobs uh, because of the tax. Yeah, I mean, I would like to say that I don't think any of that has been verified. Uh, you know, there were claims that the, uh, you know, consumption was down 40%, which is a complete anomaly compared to everywhere else where taxes have been enacted. Um, and the jobs, you know, if you look at it, many of these jobs, there was there were jobs lost before the tax was enacted in January. And most of these media, uh, you know, these articles about it were, you know, very close to when the tax was enacted. So it was like February, and the tax was only enacted in January. So um, I don't think all the facts are out about that um, in Philadelphia. I think they've gotten some very bad media. Mm. I wonder. What, uh, I don't know whether the debate in Boulder. I don't know whether there was a slippery slope argument. I've been wondering about this. Uh, you know, so alcohol. Government, uh, you know, restricts alcohol to minors, for example. Uh, um, very successful campaigns over the years. Some others against drunk driving to uh, re, you know reduce, increase the shame of it. So it's cultural as well as uh, government uh, of drunk driving. Um, tobacco. You know, tobacco taxes, sin taxes. So sugary beverages, but then, you know, what's next and where does it end? Um, I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't heard much worry about that, but I do think it's, um, you know, it's it's very similar to the syntaxes you're talking about, where there is no nutritional value to these sugar sweetened beverages. Um, and so it is easy to separate them out. Um, and I, I think um, the campaign itself um, for the tax and, uh, you know, the soda industry has fought very hard against them everywhere. Um, that raises a lot of awareness about sugary drinks. Um, so the tax itself is effective, but it also um, raises a lot of awareness about sugary drinks. Let me turn back to uh, Dr. Red. I'm uh, reading CNN, Dr. Red here, and and they're looking at the effects and projected effects from Mexico's soda tax enacted in 2014. Let me just quote from CNN. 
a study, and I think this is the British Medical Journal, a study showed that the drop in purchases accelerated, declining up to 12% by December of 2014, a range of 6 to 12% uh, you know, uh, reduction in uh, consumption due to the tax. Uh, so based on the new model, researchers projected that a 10% reduction in sugary beverage consumption among Mexican adults could result in about 189,000 fewer cases of type 2 diabetes. That's that's a good thing, isn't it, sure, doctor? That's, that's impressive. You need to understand what the denominator is, though, too. I mean, that's. I mean, you have to look at when you look at big numbers like that. They're huge numbers, but then you have to look at the denominator. If this is a nationwide tax, is is that correct? Right, I think it is. Yeah, yeah but so, but even if you just look at the sure the raw number, hundred eighty thousand lower. Right? That, that's sure, that's sure, good, isn't it? Sure, I, I, there's no question about that. I mean, I, you, you can say, oh, sure, that's, that's 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 a desirable outcome. The question is. You know, is that the only way to get there? Right. You know, is that the only way to reduce soda consumption is tax it okay. and tax it. How much do they tax in Mexico? Do you know how much they tax in Mexico? What what percentage of the original cost? Um, I'm not. I don't have the number in front of me. I don't know if. Uh, uh, I don't know if you do, Chris and Daly. Uh, again, again, I, I would say remember. okay. So the 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 eighty the eighty eight percent of people. Let's suppose that that twelve percent represents actually twelve percent of the population that just gave it up versus just a reduction in consumption. The eighty-eight percent are now paying more for sodas and less for other things. That's the other way to look at this. It's not always you know there's unintended consequences of taxing people, especially poor right. people. So you're saying that you fold it all in. It's complex. Well, it's complex. You say okay, I saved. I you know you say well that could potentially reduce this many cases of type two diabetes mellitus. But then you ask yourself, okay, what about the people that are still purchasing the sodas? What are they not purchasing because they're now paying more money on their sodas? I mean, there's there's unintended consequences of doing this. It's not just a black and white. Uh, this is this is clearly going to help people be healthy overall because people who are poor, if they're still purchasing the sodas because they're addicted to the sugar or the caffeine or they like it or whatever the reason is, if they're now spending twice what they used to spend on sodas, they're going to be spending less on what they otherwise may have been purchasing, which may have been healthy foods like fruits and vegetables or, or you know, whole grain cereals or whatever the deal is. And so I think... It's not just as simple as, 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 as plugging in simple numbers and saying, well, 12% reduction in sodas is going to result in this because you don't know what the other consequences of your taxes are besides just reducing soda consumption mm-hmm. in some people. We have a, a caller. Before we go to the, our caller, uh, Kristen Daly, I wonder if uh, your take on the, on the numbers out of, and the projections out of Mexico. Yeah, well, Dr. Red is making the argument for regressivity that you know poor people are paying more of this tax. Um, but what's been shown is that lower-income people um, uh, reduce their consumption more than higher income, and they also experience more of the health benefits. So, you know, diabetes is really the tax on the poor. You know, this reduces con- reduces consumption, so it does create more money to spend on other things, and it also, they accrue the health benefits. So, um, you know, we would argue that this tax is the opposite of regressive. Let's go to our caller. Uh, Casey uh, joins us. Uh, glad you did. Go ahead with your question or comment. Uh, Casey, you're there. But my perspective, I've, I'm only alive because I've been on assistance with Medicaid and food stamps because my medicines have gone from $25 a bottle to over $300 a bottle, and I have to have it to live. I'm a, I'm a type 1 diabetic. So... One, I can't buy insurance, and when you're limited that way, your your money on food goes to what you can afford and what is affordable. It's high-carbohydrate, low-value foods. That's what you eat when you're in a, in a tight situation. So to say that if we got rid of the – if we tax the sodas, then people are going to eat healthy, scientifically, my mind doesn't accept it. You might not eat as much soda, but you're going to eat more bread, <laughs> you know, something like that. And I, this is from my perspective and my my analytical mind. I'd be interested to see the data saying that these people in Mexico or Oakland or wherever, this many people went off soda and all of a sudden their diabetes cleared up. I just don't buy it because I haven't experienced it. And I'm interested to see what you guys have to say. Okay, uh, thanks, Casey. Appreciate that uh, perspective. Let me throw that first to uh, Kristen Daly. What do you, what do you think? Um, Casey is a bit skeptical that the, there's a one-to-one correlation there. Yeah, I mean there there is a reduction in consumption, um, but 
you know, the other part of that would be creating more access to healthy food um, and education. And that is why we've directed the money from this tax to those sorts of things. So, you know, a two-for-one program for um, the WIC program, which, you know, and SNAP that gives, um, you know, dollars to low-income families, they can get twice as many vegetables. So those are the types of programs we can expand because you're right, just a reduction in consumption is not enough. But, you know, money for these types of programs can come from a sugary drink tax. And those are exactly the types of programs that we would like to put forward. We have a couple of emails we'll get to here. Um, it looks like we have another call coming in, uh, so good response. Thank you. Uh, we do have to say that uh, Dr. Red needs to leave here pretty soon, um, and uh, so we'll let him uh, get back to his patients, but we appreciate him being here. Um, your take first, uh, any, any comment on Casey's comments? No, I mean, um, I think Casey has a, has a good point. Again, I, I, I still think this is a really complicated issue, and, 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 I, and I think what I've learned from being in the legislature and being a physician is that uh, when you inter- when you do an intervention, um, there are consequences that you are hoping to achieve, and there are sometimes unintended consequences that you didn't see coming. And I think it's important to to uh, look at both sides of this situation and and, and and clearly understand that that changing behaviors in humans is extremely complicated. Uh, and sometimes a simple tax uh, may do nothing more than raise revenue. And if you're going to use the revenue for a good cause, you can maybe sometimes justify that tax. Uh, but uh, the problem is, is, is it, at the end of the day, from my perspective as an elected representative, I serve at the, at the mercy of my constituents, uh, and I try to do the best job I can to represent them. In this situation, I think you need to look at the unintended consequences of such a tax because that's not all positive. And my, my, my point and saying that everybody's going to get off sodas because we tax them, I don't believe that's going to happen. The data which suggests that's not the case. And and the other issue is for people who are already in poverty, who are addicted to sodas and or self-medicating some of their other problems in life with sodas, uh, you're simply going to just make sure they have less expendable income for other things that might be healthy for them. And that's the unintended negative consequence of doing this that I can... Th- think of just easily think of without spending days you know going through the you know the process of having public debate and conversation so I, I i really appreciate people who are trying to make a difference in the world and certainly trying to reduce the problem we have with uh type 2 diabetes mellitus obesity and all the problems that come with that but i think it's important that education in my mind is 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 really important people need to understand that sure the the soda industry is going to continue to advertise it's in their economic interest to do so uh and i think it's important for parents and uh you know concerned citizens to try and spread the word you know what uh sugary sodas are not part of our ancestral diet mm. you know it's not part of it's not how we're put together and our pancreas really has a hard time keeping up with it and uh, and certainly the caloric, the, the empty calories that we've talked about certainly cause health problems. And I think education and helping people understand that and, and limiting their consumption of this sort of thing, as well as other things. There's lots of other things you can look at, lack of activity, sedentary lifestyle, television, video games. There's so many other things that feed into this problem with obesity uh, that we need to artificially change our environment kind of to, to make it look more like our ancestral environment, which means we're more physically active. We're not, you know, we're not eating pre-prepared foods. We actually have to cook our meals or sit down and have dinner with our families and things like that that we used to do 200 years ago. We don't do so much anymore. We just kind of eat whenever we want to. Lots of times we eat to try and treat our own anxiety. Sometimes we self-medicate with food and certainly some, some of us self-medicate with sugary sodas and caffeine and stuff like that too so i think it's really important to understand it's very complicated and uh education is very important uh so we we need to let uh, dr red uh, go thank you so much for thank for you for with having us. me it's been very interesting. Uh, dr ed red uh, physician and he's also a state legislature republican representing in north logan let's go next to uh caller uh, jill in st george uh glad you called go ahead with your question or comment hi uh, my name is joe and oh joe uh, sorry in, in regards to, to the doctor's good comments, which I mostly agree with, I, I would add that uh, earlier in the conversation, I believe you mentioned about taxes with uh, uh, beer and alcohol and that type of thing. We do, in fact, tax uh, beer uh, or uh, wine. Sorry, not wine. We do tax beer and hard liquor. Hard liquor to the tune of $12 a gallon. 
uh, it seems to me like a two or three cents an ounce tax on soda would be a minimal uh, charge to incur. Adding a quarter to a 12-ounce can doesn't seem like that's going to set anybody back too much. But on the other hand, that money raised uh, can be used for education and other purposes, which is simply another another tool to use to combat this. And I don't think the doctor would disagree that we should use all of the things that we can to reduce that type of consumption on soda, which which has no value uh, other than just sugar. And I, I don't understand his reluctance to want to support uh, his uh, or want to support the small uh, small token tax, which I, I believe would would be beneficial and would result from uh, would result in, in good benefits. Thirty five years ago, I gave up smoking when the cigarettes became a dollar a pack, and it's because the taxes went up. So you know, I'm one of those that that was affected by increases. I just think that we should use this uh, as one of our many, many tools, including education, to lower consumption. Thank you very much. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate that. Uh, what's, what's your take on that, uh, Kristen Daly? Um, I completely agree. Uh, I also feel that just because there's other factors um, doesn't mean that we shouldn't focus on the one thing where we can make a big difference. Um, so I really like uh, the caller's point of view on that. And, you know, the, these these taxes, um, they they bring in money. It's estimated that the Boulder tax will bring in about $3.8 million, million a year, which will go to these programs um, for, you know, safe drinking water, for activities, and for um, healthy food access. And and the health benefits just from the tax, from the reduced consumption. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by... Are supposed uh, to are supposed to create about 6.4 million in savings. So, um, you know, it's certainly a complex problem, but I agree with the caller that, you know, this is something that we can do. Well, let's uh, take another break. Um, and I think, uh, Kristen Dilley, you need to be gone by about five minutes, too. Yep. So, but you can stay till then. Yes. Okay, great. We appreciate that. Um, we're going to change gears. We will uh, continue our discussion. Looks like we've uh, hit a nerve here, and we want to continue listener response. We have a couple of emails, uh, so we'll continue to that point. Um, and uh, what we'll do is we'll put uh, my recorded conversation with uh, Dr. Connison, clinical psychologist, on uh, what we can do to, to modify our behaviors with regard to sugar drinks and uh, un- unhealthy foods. We'll put that on our website, and you can uh, you can get it there. Um, and you can you can hear this conversation, by the way, as well later on the day, uh, upr.org. So let's take another uh, break. We'll come back with a little more with Kristen Daly from uh, Healthy Boulder Kids. More on this discussion. You can join us here uh, for another 10 minutes at uh, 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495, or you can reach us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. What do you think? What should the government's role be in encouraging good health behaviors, discouraging bad ones? Is a soda tax a good idea? More following the break. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We have another uh, 10 minutes left in the conversation, another five minutes with uh, Kristen Daly from Healthy Boulder Kids. We're talking about a soda tax. Is it a good idea? What should the government's role be in encouraging good health behaviors, discouraging bad ones? We would love to get your take on this at 800-826-1495, our toll-free number, or you can reach us by email to upraxcess at gmail. Dot, uh, com. And uh, Kristen Daly's uh, group was uh, instrumental, a part of the push for a soda tax in Boulder, Colorado, and uh, that was passed uh, recently. Um, so we're getting her take on this issue. We go next to Carl. He has emailed us. Carl says, I agree that sugar should be taxed. The state of Utah certainly has no problem imposing their sin taxes supposedly to change people's lifestyles. So where do you draw the line when it comes to promoting healthy society? There was a study indicating that a big percentage of the youth were unfit for the military. I think that's disturbing. I don't recall hardly any obese kids when I went to school, and sugary drinks weren't readily available. 
Now, everywhere you go, you see overweight kids and adults. Personally, I had a weight problem. I dropped 20 pounds in a couple of months after I stopped drinking sugary drinks and reduced my overall sugar intake. So as a society, we need to promote health and uh, wellness. So Carl uh, looks like he's in favor of a sugar tax. Um, and uh, I, I assume, uh, Kristen Daly, you, you'd agree with that. Uh, th- th- this is a good example. Uh, he uh, dropped some weight, and uh, he agrees the government should have a role here. Yes, and I think we're finding more and more, um, you know, the effects that the uh, epidemic of overweight and obesity has on people. Um, You know, he gave the example of people not being fit to serve in the Army. You know, they're showing uh, that it also increases, you know, injuries, which which can lead to opioid prescriptions. Um, You know, it can keep people from working. Uh, there's stigma attached to being overweight. Um, so there are just many effects um, to the overweight and obesity epidemic. So addressing it, you know, can, sol- can help to solve a lot of society's um, problems. Um, I-, I want to uh, uh, address this to you. I want to address it to Dr. Red as well, but he had to leave. Um, in uh, the United Kingdom, They've instituted a soda tax. Um, it hasn't. Well, they've they've announced a soda tax. I don't believe it's had gone into effect yet. But just announcing an upcoming tax, at least the government's perspective there is that they've been instrumental in encouraging, quote unquote, <laughs> um, the 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 soda companies, the beverage companies there to announce a decrease in the sugars in in their drinks. Government pressure, they say, has caused the beverage companies to, quote-unquote, voluntarily reduce uh, sugars? Yes. I mean, you know, more and more they're finding that, you know, the the beverage companies were very uh, aware of these taxes and very afraid of them um, and have done all they can to fight them. Um, they've spent $67 million since 2009 fighting these taxes. So, you know, they they have a, a large effect, and it is affecting the soda industries, and and they, they should be reacting better. They should be providing more options. Um, and instead they've chosen to, you know, waste that money fighting the taxes. Uh, so, you know, they need to step up, and, and they should be smarter about it. But it, it hasn't affected their bottom line yet. And, you know, soda consumption's gone down, but Pepsi and Coke both had, you know, higher than expected earnings last quarter. So, you know, there's quite a bit that they could do <laughs> to improve. Uh, so I uh, know we have to let you go. Kristen Daly from uh, Healthy Boulder Kids. By the way, you can uh, find their website at healthybolderkids.org. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Uh, let me get a, a last email in. Uh, need not be the last. You could uh, fit a quick email or call in if you would like at the end of the program here. And by the way, we announced that we'd be talking with Alexis Connison. I recorded an interview yesterday with her. We'll have that uh, interview. Interesting interview about um, how we can modify our uh, eating uh, styles. Uh, she talks about a, a no-diet plan. She says diets are, uh, are, are really not effective, and we ought to be uh, coming to peace with our food and our food consumption. We'll talk about that um, online. We'll have that interview for you online at upr.org. Uh, so here uh, uh, will probably be the last word. This is Alyssa from Smithfield by email to upraxis at gmail.com. Alyssa says, I agree with Dr. Red. Education has more of a long-term impact on patients' lives. Obesity is a lifestyle change and can be extremely difficult. While increasing price would decrease consumption, it could then just increase consumption of some other self-medication, food or drink. I think that education on how needs attention. We tell everyone that they should eat, uh, what they should eat, and that they should exercise, but we don't give them the tools to do it. We need to do more than, say, eat more fruits and vegetables. We need to teach them how to. Learning to meal plan and cook healthy for my husband and myself has been a battle and a learning curve. I've spent hours online looking for tips on how to stick to the plan rather than grab the easiest meal or drink. I believe uh, Geisinger Health System's idea of prescribing meals and diet was more in track to what Americans need. To reiterate, we already know what we should do. The problem lies in why we don't do it. We need the tools. 
So that's Alyssa in uh, Smithfield. Uh, keep the conversation coming at upraccess at gmail.com. Keep those comments coming. Continue the conversation, upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. And uh, you can join us on Twitter at upraccess and on our Facebook page. Look for Access uh, Utah. We thank our guest, Dr. Ed Red, has uh, joined us. He is uh, also in the state legislature. He's a Republican uh, from North Logan. Earlier, uh, we were joined by Kristen Daly from Healthy Boulder Kids. Boulder recently passed a soda tax. And online, we'll have my recorded conversation with Alexis Connison, clinical psychologist practice in uh, New York City. Thanks so much for uh, listening. We hope you'll uh, be with us, of course, uh, next week. We'll have a special program for you on Memorial Day on Monday, and there's some great programs coming next week as well. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We had a uh, comment I wanted to get in here at the end. Uh, this is from uh, Karina. It says, isn't high fructose corn syrup banned in Europe? I say soda tax, tax soda, and ban high fructose corn syrup. That's Karina. Thank you for that. We wanted to get that in here at the end of the program. Thanks.